Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. The show is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It is presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn with Harry Douglas here with you this morning. And Harry, the story on ESPN.com is one that if you are a Giants fan, if you are a Jets fan, and if you are a sports fan in New York, it's one of those must-reads. But do so when you're, you know, in a good mood. Because <laughs> if you're not feeling, if you're feeling low, this is not something that's going to cheer you up whatsoever. The headline itself will let you know where this is going. Inside the dysfunctional decade of New York Jets and Giants football. What went wrong? What's next? It is co-authored by Rich Semini and Jordan Renan, who both who cover the Jets and the Giants, respectively. Those two will join us here in a few minutes. Harry, you, you never had the opportunity to play in New York. Your brother did, though. Tony yeah. played for the Knicks. So you do have at least an understanding a little bit of it's different here is the best way I can describe it. I that's, always say that's that the best way to describe it. The jersey, and, and this is—I'm not trying to be, you know, myopic. Typical New Yorker. We think we're the best at everything. Because actually, up, yo, we, what up, B? Yeah, like that, right? Yeah. What's up, son? Like, but I'm we going know. Bonkers and Yonkers, B. <laughs> we know actually something that we've learned here over the last decade is we suck at everything. It's maddening. <laughs> like it really is. It's maddening. Like thank God for NYCFC. They they won MLS Cup. Yeah. So we got we got a championship, which is nice. But aside from that, we just at the major sports we suck at everything, and it's frustrating. How'd the Yankees do? It's been a bit. How'd the Mets do? Um, well, they got a new manager, so that again. Who won the World Series? Um, I forget. Just say who won the World no, Series. No one Han. pays attention. I want the real Han. No, no, one, no one pays attention. <laughs> if the Yankees or Dodgers aren't winning it, no, nobody really cares. <laughs> I love it. So the reality is, though, that football has been awful here. Yeah. The jersey, I, I just the New York jersey is the heaviest to wear in, in all the sports leagues because of it's it's not just on the field expectations and the demands and everything else. It's it's everything being in this city because it's been so long now. Every single team is being stared at like, when are you going to be good? Right. When are you going to be good? And then it's well, you're good, but you're not good enough. It's just always happening here. What has happened to the Jets and Giants? I mean, think about one playoff appearance since the Giants won the Super Bowl. One. And it was the Giants. And it was in Green Bay. And it was a disaster from the very beginning. As, of course, you had the wide receivers all decided that the week before they were going to get together and uh, go down on a banana boat and celebrate and do an R&B album cover on a boat and all that stuff. Should have been locked in. Let me ask you. You know what? Even that. Perfect. You being a wide receiver. Should have been locked in. You know what I'm referencing, right? You know yeah. the photo, the Instagram yeah. picture and all that. Would you have ever done that week before a playoff game? <laughs> hey, let's get away right before we go up to the coldest place in the world to play football. Let's get away for a while and hang out on a boat for a couple of days. Bye week or no bye week? It was, remember, it was leading into the playoffs. So, yeah, it was a uh, – They didn't, they didn't was, have a bye, right? No, I believe they did. They, they went – did they go right after? Uh, yeah, it had to have been. Yeah, There's no way they would have gone straight into the playoffs off that. So they had to have been. Yeah, it's been a, year, a couple of years, so I can't remember exactly. But I'm thinking, but I like, do why, believe why would was, they have had a bye, though? They wouldn't have had a bye. The Giants? Yeah. I'm trying to remember Only exactly. the top two teams uh, in each the conference. Game was Sunday. They, they went on Monday, so they did go. That's right. They left. They played Sunday. 
They left that night. They went down. They spent like a day and then it's came the back for of, practice. The week of the game. It was the week of. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, so uh, no. Odell Beckham put this together and I wouldn't have did anything the rest like is that. history. So you would have said, I'm out, guys. I'm not doing yeah, it. Oh, you got to lock in, man. You know, you mean you want to hone in like – you don't want to do too many things differently from from what you did in the regular season, but things do amp up in the playoffs, and you have to have that Zoom focus. You have to be able to decipher. There's no walking around the mall, going shopping with your with your lady or your kids, and none of that. It's none of that. Yeah, that's all in. No, right? it has no, to be like all you, in. We do that in the off season. See, some guys like to we sell it as not in the off season. Take During the pressure time, off. No. Take the pressure. We don't want to. You know, you don't want to be too amped up. Like this is a good way to get away no. and enjoy. They clinched the playoff spot and they celebrated, and then, they came, and then they weren't ready to turn it back on. Here's here is the the stat that matters the most when you want to talk about just how bad things have been here with the New York teams. So, since 2017, the Jets and Giants combined are 43 and 113. Mm. I mean, that's as pathetic as you could possibly be. Two of the worst teams in the NFL in that span, and there's two teams here in this city. Like, L.A.'s got two teams as well, and both their teams are pretty damn good. Chargers have a future, and the Rams, as you know, they're they're a team that you would say would be in the Super Bowl uh, conversation. Florida has three. Only one is doing good. Well, the state (laughs) does. I'm talking about the city. Oh, you're talking about city. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just to have two. Understandable, yeah. And both can't get it right. Correct. It's crazy. Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst, of course, Swagoo, on NFL Live, was asked a question that we always ask here in New York. So both teams are terrible, but which team has a brighter future? Swagoo says who? This is the hardest question I've ever been asked. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I'm, I'm literally, I know I'm a funny Stomped. guy. I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. The, the reason I would say the Giants mm. is because I believe Leonard Williams, who they signed to a long-term deal, I believe Galladay, Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. When you look at this Giants roster, there really is some talent. Bradbury on the back end, Love on the back end. So I believe this team right now, like near future-wise, is is way ahead of where the Jets are. The Jets mm-hmm. still trying to figure out who is Zach Wilson. Right. They're trying to figure out what they want to be identity-wise. I feel like the Giants have enough older guys, veteran guys, that have played good football that they can get it fixed a lot faster. You agree with that? I do. Um, I think they have pieces, key pieces in place um, for things to shift faster for them. I think they are a quarterback away from making some noise in the NFC East. You heard Marcus Spears just mention some skill position players. You see Kenny Galladay, they just drafted Kadarius Toney. You have Slayton. Um, I know Ingram is a uh, free agent after this year. But so you look on the defensive side right now. They have Dexter Lawrence. Austin Johnson is going to be a free agent next year. Leonard Williams. But I like Aziz Ojolari, a guy yep. that came from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Really knows how to set that edge. You look at Reggie Raglan, I don't know his his thing. I like Logan Ryan. I like McKinney. Um, Adore Jackson played with him and, and, and Logan in Tennessee. And I love what they present to the game of football. Logan gives you so much flexibility as a defensive coordinator because of the, different, the multiplicity of things that he can do on a football field. Right. And he's very, very intelligent. And I know he's a guy – that when you're not supposed to, has has guys in there watching film trying to get better against their opponent. I know he's doing that 100%. So they got the leadership he, then. He did it in Tennessee. Okay. Ask Kevin Byard. He'll tell you. Their starting safety, their all-star safety, he'll, he'll let you know. Trust mm-hmm. me. Pro Bowl safety. Um, so I do believe they have the pieces right now to to get things turned around quickly. 
when I look at when I look at the Jets and I'm going through their roster. Well, let me let me argue the Jets side of it too because if you want to just stay on the defensive side, CJ Mosley is one of the best linebackers in the game and let's not forget Carl Lawson tore his Achilles and never played a game this year and that was Correct. a huge addition for them. They love Quinnen Williams and who wouldn't, right? He'd Pro Bowl caliber and then John uh Franklin Myers has really been a revelation as he well. Has. I mean, they they have pieces. They, they just up signed front. him to an extension, right during yeah. the season. Yes, yep. they did. Yeah, and they get production out of him. And their secondary, uh, well, their uh, corners uh, though are young safeties, but they're good safeties, safeties. Is where they probably are going to have to make some moves. And Marcus May, you know, probably won't be back. But they've got to fix some things there. They do like Ashton Davis, but I do like Quincy Williams too, the brother Quincy, of Quincy Williams. Yeah, Quincy their has a lot of people a don't even know. Motor people don't, a lot of people don't even know their brothers. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. What about a great it. story those yes. two are, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, offensively, of course, huge questions. And the biggest of all for both teams is yeah. quarterback. Yep. is Because uh, is, you have skilled pieces on both teams, but the quarterback remains the biggest question. Zach Wilson is only year one. And he's he the number had, two overall he had, pick. He had to go through these growing pains. He and it's just no it. experience. You probably have to go through that, which he's still it. going through apparently, and that's frustrating. But Daniel Jones now with three years, and we, do, do we know? And if we know... See, I want to ask you this because you said you you like so much about their defense. You mentioned some guys who are leaders. Then what's missing? Is it leadership above players, meaning coaches, yeah. front office? Yeah. Like, is their issue not a roster issue, but a management slash coaching issue? I think it's a quarterback slash some O line slash management issues. That's where I go with it. So not coach though. You're no, not I mean I'm putting I'm putting that in there too. All right, putting all of it in. So you think then they need to clean house? Clean house. Right. They need to clean house and revamp and start over. You understand start when you clean house and that includes your quarterback. I mean that's that's the the biggest pieces of a, a franchise. Damn, the head coach and the quarterback. Sometimes you have to do that. Of course, and you I think do. I think a lot of these franchises they get in trouble when they don't do it and they're so hesitant about doing it. You know what I mean? Yes. I think when 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 it's time to make that move, you need to make that move and. We criticize um, the Arizona Cardinals for doing it. Granted, uh, who was the head coach that they signed? Was it Wilkes? Who, who was the head? Who was the head coach that before? Um, before for uh, Kingsbury? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I thought he should have got more time, but at the same when time, when they drafted the quarterback, they knew they had to get the coach. They had to. They had to put those pieces together. That was an aggressive yeah. move. They had That's just what I'm drafted like Josh they, Rosen. And they immediately were like, we're completely moving on for this, and we're going package deal. Coach, quarterback. It's smart. Now, I hate that because I think Coach Wilkes is a good coach, and he deserved more opportunities. But I'm yes. saying, it had, it, in their eyes, they had to do it. Yes. So if I'm saying if you're the Giants, you have to do it. Start over. You have to do it if you have a plan like that. Yes. you got to have to see. And but you have the pieces in place. He you kicked just, this around a couple of weeks ago, and it really was fascinating because it's such a hypothetical, but it's it's a wild hypothetical, but it's not exactly crazy. Yeah. Is Sean Payton kind of looking at the, the New Orleans situation and thinking, you know what, I've done enough here. He's got some blood in the ground in New York. He was on the staff with, with uh, Jim Fossil. Would he – could you as the Giants lure him and then Russell Wilson? And now you've got coach oh, quarterback. What? No, if, no. If, if that he, happens, he kind of threw that out there, and it was like, "Damn, like if, what?" If that happens, but that's of course a Dallas better watch wild, out. wild hypothetical. But when those things are available to you, as you said, you go all in. Yeah, coach, hundred percent, quarterback, two most important pieces. You got to have those. All right. So with this discussion going on right now, as I mentioned, the story on ESPN.com 
right now that, that is a must-read is about what went wrong over this last decade of futility for both New York football teams. The authors of that story join us right now. Rich Semini, who covers the Jets, and Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for us at ESPN. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Good morning, us. guys. All right. Good morning. So let's begin um, just first and foremost on, on the stories we're looking at it, and we're just seeing – the stories that you guys both tell from both teams' perspectives from the last time, from when the, the Jets were very comp- – that's the weirdest thing. 09-10, Jets right there on the doorstep, AFC Championship games, Giants, Super Bowl, 07 and, and, and 11. So there's a pocket there where the New York teams were elite. And now, of course, it's been 10 years where they have been the opposite of that. So, Rich, we'll start with you. You've covered the Jets since they were called the Titans. What is wrong with this franchise? <laughs> not quite. Pretty close, but not quite. Uh, you know, like as I point out in the story, I think for the last 10 years, it's just been a series of missteps by ownership in terms of hiring coaches and GMs that were not in lockstep. I mean, you can't succeed in the NFL unless those two pieces are together and on the same page, uh, starting when they fired Mike Tannenbaum and they brought in John Itzik and they paired him with Rex Ryan. It was a disaster. And from that point on, it's just been – it's like the Jets are playing, trying to play eHarmony in the dating game and they just keep on matching the wrong people together. And, and, and it just flows down from there, and, you know, to roster, to personnel decisions. And I think that's the biggest reason why they haven't done anything in a decade. Do they have the right two guys now? Well, I – I, well, the jury's still out, but I think they're on the same page. I will give them that. I, I think they're working together very well from everything I hear. Uh, I think they are confident in each other, and that hasn't always been the case. I mean, you go, this is the sixth head coach GM combo of the decade, which is kind of mind-boggling oh when you think about it. And in each of the previous five, there was something amiss. Yeah. So far with these two guys, Sala and Douglas, I think they're together. Now they still got to go out and do their jobs and, and coach and pick players, which we haven't fully seen yet. But I think they're on the same page. Now, I want to ask both of you guys, Jordan, I'll start with you. How can these organizations be fixed? I think I lost you for a second there. Uh, how, how can the organ- these organizations be fixed? How do you fix the Giants? What's wrong with them, basically, Jordan? Uh, wow, man. You got to start with this offensive line. I mean, it's been a problem for a long time now. I mean, I always make this joke, and it's not really a joke, that they're in year eight of the offensive line rebuild. And that's kind of like where the problem started, right? Because they had Eli Manning when I first started covering the team in 2013. And, you know, then they get Odell. So they have some pieces there, but... They just haven't been able to protect their quarterbacks or develop any kind of running game because the offensive line has been a major problem. So they really need to throw a lot of resources at it. And also, as Brandon Marshall said in the story, the Giants are sort of behind the times. You know, The way they've been set up is, is something that I think they need to reassess. They really need somebody basically to come in from the outside, look at the organization and say, you know, what – what is the proper way to run our organization here in 2021, right? It's not to go and go back and say we need to do it the Giants' way because the game has changed, and, and uh, I think that's a real, real thing here. It's amazing with Dave Gettleman, who when he came in talked about the hog mollies, talked about rebuilding the offensive line, and 
you know, four or five years later, it's still a problem. So even though he made it a priority, he's done a terrible job with it. But, you know, he did bring in some more computers. So I, I guess they're trying to get with the times. But, Jordan, this is really the most important question for this. Yeah, he's a yeah. He got a computer guy, right? I love that the the dial up. We're, we're off that finally, and maybe we got some uh, something else. But the only question that really does matter right now with this franchise is: Do they have the quarterback? So, who is the quarterback of the Giants next season? It's a tough question because they're not in great shape to go out and get some. Like even if Russell Wilson wants to come there, which you know we've heard some rumors at this point that that's possible. They're not in great shape to go do that because they kind of set up their roster financially, you know, to at least play one more year with a quarterback on the rookie contract, right? And then they have they have all this draft capital, but is this the year where the quarterback is is a top five pick in the draft? So it's it's really a tricky question. I think the move for the Giants might be to defer it one more year because that's part of the problem. They keep trying to throw stuff at their problems. And, like, you know, this offseason, they went and signed Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson and made all these moves as if they were a team that was on the precipice of something big. Like, they weren't in that position, right? This was an organization that needs to build. They're not they, – they're, like, they, they spent all this money to, okay, everyone was like, well, if everything goes right, they can go 9-8. and eight. You don't <laughs> spend all that money to go 9-8. and eight. Right. Right, you yeah. want to, you spend all that money to get your team over the top. Right, they're trying to so, accelerate accelerate the process. All that they're trying to microwave it when they they aren't in the position uh, to do that. So here's the bombshell: Who fixes it first, the Jets or the Giants? Rich, we'll go with you first. It's funny the Giants are microwaving and the Jets are like slow baking. That's <laughs> totally, totally different philosophies right now. I mean, the it's like they're in the smoker. Different. We got to wait they're two days got, for it. Yeah, you know they're waiting for a while for this to uh, to get done in the oven. It's uh, to get to medium well. But um, I think the Giants are probably a little bit ahead, you know, for that reason. And you know, I think they have a few more veteran pieces that the Jets don't have. I, I like the, some of the Jets' young players. This draft, in particular, twenty twenty one draft, their first four picks have all played significant roles on offense, and I think that will bear fruit next year. But they're still lacking some of the pieces. Uh, we still don't know about Zach Wilson. Uh, that's the promise. He's very raw. So I would say the Giants are, are closer to being fixed. But there's, both teams are still quite a ways away. Jordan, you agree? I will say the same, too. If Zach Wilson, if we were watching him this year playing at a really high level and certain that he was going to be what the projection is on him, I think maybe I could say different because they have that position. But in the meantime, you know, I spoke to a GM uh, executive and a guy and a coach who's dealt primarily with quarterbacks throughout his career, right right before Daniel Jones got injured. And they all insisted to me that they still think he's a, a, good, a quality starting quarterback, like a top 10 to 15 kind of guy, that he just really had no chance with that offensive line that was in front of him. So because you, you have that, that, that puts them with some veteran players, that puts them, in my mind, ahead of the Jets until, until we know that Zach Wilson is going to be what the Jets think he's going to be. All right. Before I let you guys go, though, I, I do want to ask you both this question for, from a uh, a career standpoint for both of you, because I think fans do wonder this: is it is it good 
to have a, a like to cover a team like this because the stories never stop, or is it? Does it just get monotonous and depressing because every year it kind of feels like <laughs> the same thing? Like another year where the team's bad and I'm writing about the same stuff and draft positioning and everything else. Rich, you've covered the Jets for a long time. I'll start with you. It, like, how does it, does it get to you just on a daily basis, or is it? This is great because there's always a story. Uh, well, I've 33 years covering the Jets, the last 11 out of the playoffs. So I don't know what January football is. I've, <laughs> I've forgotten about what, what what that is. And uh, you know, I've always said this: you either want to cover a team that's really good or really bad. It's it's probably more difficult to cover a 500 team because it, it, everything is up and down every week. Uh, there's nothing better than covering a team that's hot and in the playoffs. That's that's the preference. But there's also the train wreck aspect. You know, when you're covering a train wreck or a dysfunctional team, that also creates a lot of interest as well. But, I mean, I'd rather cover a playoff team for yeah. sure, without a doubt. Yeah. Jordan? Yeah, the problem with the dysfunction is it's good for, like, a real short-term period, right? Like For, like, a minute, it's super relevant, and then you're back to nobody cares about you playing on Sunday, right? I mean, that that's the reality when, when you're – you know, your, your season is effectively over by November, beginning in November. So it, it, it gets to you. I will say I feel like the last few years that I'm in Groundhog's Day. Like that's what it feels like over and over. It's like the same story. By week six, I'm like getting beat down. I'm like, oh, this again. And, uh, you know, TV is not calling as quite as often for you <laughs> when your team is 2-10 two, two and ten. And when your team is ten and two, I promise you that. Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely the, the case. All right, guys, thanks so much for the insight. We appreciate you. And again, we guide everybody to ESPN.com to read the story, the defun- dysfunction in both football teams in New York. All the best, guys. Thanks. Happy holidays. All right. That's Happy Rich. New Year. Happy holidays, everybody. You got it, Rich Samini, Jordan Renan from ESPN. NFL Nation on the Goodyear Hotline. It's brought to you by Goodyear, with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. All right, we head down I-95. The one thing that stands out about Jalen Hurts' Tuesday night win, we'll discuss that. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. It's Alan Hahn. It's Harry Douglas. Oh, and I have to also read this before I get into other things. <laughs> H.A.M., we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. I pause because I always get excited when we get Sal Palantonio on the show to talk to him because he always brings it. And last night, Sal was at the game. He was at 
Eagles-Washington. And there was something that stood out to him in this game. It involved Jalen Hurts. Harry, I want you to listen to something Jalen Hurts says after the game about his coachability. It is something you might like. Take a listen. Well, I've been telling him all year, you know, I'm a coach's kid. <clears throat> and uh, basically all the coaches' kids out there, um, they, they know what that means. That means they've been coached. Um, they, they've heard everything. Um, so, you know, the, the, I, in high school, I lived with the guy that was chewing me out. So I made it clear to coach all year. I'm like, hey, you know, you can, you can get on me a little bit. Um, so after, after, um, I mean, after, after the fumble, he came up to me, said what he had to say. And then later on in the game, he comes back and jokes with me and says, I guess I'm going to just start coaching you like your dad coached you. So funny moment. Whatever he said, it worked. Now, Jalen played at Channel View High School in Texas where his father was the head coach. That's why he's referring to himself as the coach's kid. Sal, why did that stand out to you? Well, I could relate, first of all. Uh, I'm a coach's kid. My dad coached me in baseball and football. Coached me in life, too. I live with the guy who chewed me out, Vito Mario Palantonio. So, you know, it resonated with me. And I just thought it was a important moment in the maturation of the relationship between Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. It's the first time we had seen Nick Sirianni get up into Jalen Hurts' face. It came at the end of the first quarter, and the Eagles were driving. They were in Washington territory. It was second and six at Washington 16. And at that point, after the strip sack and Hurts gave up the ball, it kind of smelled like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. Mm Mm-hmm like the Giants game where Hertz had two turnovers and they lost to the Giants up at MetLife Stadium, the game where he got injured. Smelled like, you know, 11 years ago, the Tuesday nighter when Minnesota came in and dump trucked the Eagles on a bad Tuesday night on a game that was delayed due to a snowstorm. So I think Sirianni, you know, took the, took the moment and said, okay, this is, this is a watershed moment between the two, between the two of us. And he talked to Jalen Hurts in no uncertain terms and said after the game that he was sloppy with the ball and that was unacceptable. And the Eagles turned it around. And you got you really have to give Jalen Hurts a lot of credit. I, I, I you know he was not a hundred percent. I was watching him pregame warm up, and Alan, I was watching him very closely in the binoculars from the press box during the game. You know, he just didn't have that explosiveness, that bursts. You could tell that the left ankle was still painful, still bothering him. The man went 20 of 26, Mm. and he led a rushing attack that had 41 rushing attempts for 238 yards. And you know the number. You guys have been talking about it all morning. This team now, seven straight games of 175 yards rushing plus ties an NFL record set by the Chicago Bears in 1985. So they can run the football, and Jalen Hurts had a really courageous performance, I thought. So i got to ask you this. Was that the best game that you've seen from Jalen Hurts in the Eagles last night? It was definitely the best game that I've seen Jalen Hurts throwing the football, Harry. He was extremely accurate. Of course, the one interception was not his fault. It was a freak play. Uh, off the foot, the heel of Dallas Goddard. And then, you know, after that, 
Goddard ripped off six straight receptions because Jalen Hurts was very accurate. Listen, they changed the offense. The offense was running through RPOs and zone reads with Jalen Hurts. Nick Sirianni said after the game, yeah, we changed it and for competitive reasons. Uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly how we changed it, but it was obvious. They used Miles Sanders as the hammer instead of Jalen Hurts in the running game, and Hurts was in the pocket and delivering the football to second and third reads accurately on the run, delivering it accurately. That throw, back shoulder throw in the end zone to Greg Ward, that was a money throw. And uh, I, I really thought that was the best game of Jalen Hurts passing the football, Harry. Mm. And there was a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts going into this game. Out for 24 days. Uh, 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 you know, he, he was playing against a depleted Washington team. They were favored. They were at home. They lose the game. They go down a 6% chance of making the playoffs. Huge pressure on Jalen Hurts, and he responded. Sal, I'm curious about something as we look at the Eagles and where they are now post-Super Bowl and you know a rebuild that they're going through, an entirely new coaching staff and, and, and an experienced one certainly as far as youth goes. Uh, and then if the, you know, seeing if Jalen Hurts is going to be a guy going forward. I'm just looking at the division as a whole, and I know you know the NFC East very well. So follow with me. In the 90s, this was a class division. I mean, you had three teams in that division win a Super Bowl in that decade. And you had, since then... It's just been the Giants and then the Eagles, and then that's it over a 20-year span. The Cowboys are the elite team in that division, but even they still have these question marks about them, while the other three teams are still trying to figure out where they're going, as the Giants are a perpetual rebuild right now. So when you look at that as a lack of maybe a competition for the Cowboys, does that lead to maybe complacency for them? Because it almost looks like, like this year it was a cakewalk for them to win this division. Could that be a problem, and is it going to be like that for long? Well, that, there was a lot there. There were a <laughs> lot of questions, and uh, let me go through them one by one. One, I think the Dallas Cowboys are under a lot of pressure. They haven't won a Super Bowl um, for you know a, lo- a long time. Yes, uh, well, over, well over twenty years. The Eagles are the last team in the division to win a Super Bowl. The Giants have won two. I think all three of the teams competing with the Cowboys have to find their quarterback. And I knew you were going to ask me this question, Alan, because you and I have talked about this on ESPN radio before. And I wrote this down in red Sharpie on a notebook this morning. I, here's what I wrote. The Eagles can stop looking for a quarterback. They can stop looking for an alternative and replacement to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for this team next year. That performance yesterday, in my view, he passed the audition. You know, you could say, well, he's got three more games and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? That was the game they had to have. And I realized Washington was depleted, but they weren't depleted on defense. And they played a tough, you know, you know really, you got to give a lot of credit to Washington. Came on the road. They were angry that a lot of people were saying, hey, we moved the game for Washington. Right. And Philly didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. They play hard, especially on defense. They got after it. And Jalen Hurts responded. And I think right now you can say that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for 2021-2022, and he passed the audition yesterday. So now the Giants have got to look for a quarterback. 
Washington's got to look for a quarterback. Dallas has their quarterback. There's a lot of pressure on Dallas. They got to close the deal, close the deal, and maybe face the NFC champ, uh, the the in the NFC Championship, the Green Bay Packers and Lambeau Field. That's where this is headed. So a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott and Dallas. They can't get complacent this year. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it, very interesting. And if Sal Palantonio puts it in in red sharpie. And you know it must be true. Sal, great to talk to you. All the best. Happy holidays. Thanks, Sal. Yeah, happy holidays to you and everybody listening to ESPN Radio. Thanks for having me on all year long. Appreciate it very much. Awesome. Again, the great Sal Palantonio. He said it. That's it, Pat. Buy the jersey. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of the future of the Eagles. Coming up, Harry's going to tell you uh, about the NBA on Christmas Day. But then we're going to tell you why you should be paying attention to one game specifically on Saturday. The annual NBA on Christmas Day tradition continues with five of the best gifts anyone could ask for. The star-studded schedule starts at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN with the Hawks taking on the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And over on ABC, the Celtics square off against the Bucks, followed by the Suns hosting the Warriors. Then on ABC and ESPN, the Nets battle the Lakers with the day capped off by the Mavs clashing with the Jazz at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. What a Christmas Day NBA lineup. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. KJM, ESPN Radio, Alan Hahn, Harry Douglas with you. So, as we take a pause from the NFL conversation here for a moment, and pause is of course a choice word here because the NFL is plowing through to finish their season. Yeah. As you're saying, they're just moving games and we had two games last night. We had another game uh, added to the Monday night schedule as well, just to make sure that teams are able to put teams, put, put their rosters on the field. The NBA is trying to do the same thing. They are trying to move through their season, despite the fact that you're seeing almost, I think it's a hundred now, uh, players in the COVID protocol at some point in the month of December. Correct. Uh, they're allowing teams to add players uh, on 10-day contracts, don't affect your cap, don't affect your luxury tax, just so you can field enough players to have uh, a game. But the question was asked of Adam Silver yesterday. He was on NBA Today talking with Malika Andrews. 
And as we saw, the NHL did pause their season until after Christmas. They'll resume. They played games last night. They shut down today. They'll resume on Monday just to try to navigate what they're going through, and they have seven teams north of the border in Canada. Adam Silver, however, was also as, oh, will you pause the season? And uh, his response was no. No plans right now to pause the season. We've, of course, looked at all the options, but frankly – um, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now as we look through these cases, literally ripping through the country right now, putting aside the rest of the world. I think we're finding ourselves where we sort of knew we were going to get to for the past several months, and that is that this virus will not be eradicated, and we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I think that's what we're experiencing in the league right now. So instead, of, they don't believe in the shutdown. Again, the NBA was the league to shut down first, the first time around through it. Uh, they're not doing that. Now, not doing that right now is critical because you know, Christmas Day, you have five games, and Christmas Day is a big day for the NBA. Big day. It is. Big day, huh? You can feel the aggression. Big day. It is. And, and you've got some key games here, especially on, on our networks and, and on ABC especially. You have you know Boston-Milwaukee, Golden State-Phoenix. The big one would be the Nets-Lakers. But who's playing in that game? I mean, no Kevin Durant right now, no Oof. Harden. Kyrie was welcomed back and then sent right to the COVID list as well. Dallas-Utah is another game, right, to watch. And then, of course, the day begins at Madison Square Garden, the where? Mecca. Where? Yeah, Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, right here in New York. <laughs> and it is the Hawks and the Knicks in, in a rematch the, of what was who, a who entertaining the, who first round. Again? Who are the teams again? The Hawks and the Knicks. Okay. Bing mm-hmm. bang. Atlanta versus New York. Yes. Atlanta versus New York. Okay. And we were all looking forward. The day the schedule came out, like you just tell the league, the league schedule are all together like, oh, we're doing this. We're putting Trey Young at the guard. And the Grinch Christmas in New York. I tweeted as soon as it came out. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like you just knew, like, oh, yeah, you want this. You want to know why I tweeted, though? Why'd you tweet it? Because I want to see Trey Young in that little hair flopping. Bowing at the center court of Madison mm. Square Garden. Well, you're not going to get to see Basically that. telling all you Nick fans to, yeah. you know to what? what? To what? You to know what? what? Well, you know what Nick fans were saying to him, right? To him, to uh, something else. But yeah, he lit here's the problem, though. I, I, I can tell you that you're not going to see Trey Young taking any bows at center court at Madison Square Garden. You know why? He's in protocol. <laughs> yes. He's in protocol. So you got him, Clint Capella, who I will argue was a bigger factor in that series with the Knicks than okay. Trey Young. Now, Might on. have been the biggest factor Han, in that series. Han. Okay. He was He's not going to play either. He was an important contributing factor. No, no, he was the critical Because points factor. have to be scored. Critical factor. Points have to be scored, yeah, though. Points can be scored, but uh, you can score points too, but he was not allowing I, them to do that. Exactly. He was I unbelievable that, in this series. But you can't say he was a bigger factor than bigger Trey Young. Bigger factor. Trey, you knew that Trey, team is Trey not Young even... was going to get his points. He was going to get his points regardless. Somebody's got to score. He'll do that. But, but, did, you, but did you think he, he was going to get – you just can't say Trey Young was – did you think Trey Young was going to do it at the level he did with the Knicks being one of the better – I think But at that time they were the best defensive team in the NBA at the time, right? Yeah, confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think he was going to do it at that level, though? I did not. Okay, then. Yeah, so you can't say that. May I remind that, you, huh? by the way, that game one came down to the bounce of a, ball, a loose ball that R.J. Barrett had in his hands and somehow did not secure, would have sealed the game. Rook. And it got into Y'all the hands. Y'all relied on a rook. Yes. And it got into the hands of uh, Bogdanovich, who just chucked a three and it went in. 
Luck was on your side. Congratulations. And, and Bogey, we don't even know if Bogey's going to be playing that game. Nope. Gallinari's not going to be nope, playing. No Gallo. D, D Hunter so what are you? Out. What are you sending us to play in this game on Christmas Day? <laughs> First, let me tell you this. And Obama, I remind all those listening, the Knicks have already beaten the Hawks once with no excuses. Yeah. Full, uh, full rosters, no excuses. We already got one win on you. So. Hey, I, I like how you put that. You want to know why? Why? Because didn't y'all win every game last year in the regular season? Yeah, that did happen. Oh, wow. Look look how God works. Yeah, and then funny. come the playoffs, what mm-hmm. happened? What happened? Well, Mitchell the Robinson The Knicks went home. Available. The Knicks went yep. home. I don't care about who was available. No, no. Well, their center the that Knicks would have taken on Clint Capella home. wasn't available. The Knicks went home. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what did the Hawks do? Went to the conference championship. They did, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice run. The Knicks didn't even get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks went to the conference championship. But let they me tell did. you why I'm disrespected. Which shows you that last year's play was really a farce anyway. I'm going to tell you why I'm disrespected. I feel disrespected. Why do you feel disrespected? The NBA had the damn audacity. And I understand audacity. it's the Mecca. My brother played for the Knicks. Yes. Drafted in the first yeah, so round watch what you got to say. Right. Because once a Knick, always a Knick. The fact that they let this game be oh, in New no, no, York. No, no, no. Don't, don't play this. They let this game be in New York, New York and not Atlanta. And they didn't even make it out of the first round last year. The Hawks came to the Garden and handle business in the garden. I have the never Hawks heard were the anybody seat. say. The Knicks were the full seat. Hey, I can't wait. Christmas in Atlanta, I can't wait. Nobody's ever said that. They going to Magic City. Yes. We Ask Lemon right. Pepper Lou. Yes, Ask right. my boy. But not for Christmas. Why not? Jingle bells as you get in a little bounce, bounce. <laughs> Why not? No. You come to New York, you come to the Mecca, By the and way, you perform on the biggest stage in basketball, and unfortunately, your team will not have um, all their players. Quickly, my brother was actually at my house during that series. I interviewed him on radio. I asked, who you going for? He couldn't even tell me who the hell. Secretly, he was going for the Knicks. I was so Tony mad. Tony Douglas, call in the show right now. We need to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.